Hi, everyone. This is Jenny G. Perry, and this is Goddess and Gab. I'm so excited to welcome another fellow unicorn. We didn't even talk about that before we got on our call about our love of sparkles and kind of being a little pizzazzy is what I would describe both of us as. Um, but she is just so wonderful and got um, a very sparkly personality, but also um, very intelligent and very heart-centered. And that's one of my favorite trifecta combinations there. So Jessica, welcome and tell them about you. Thank you, Jenny, for having me and saying all these wonderful, sparkly things about myself. Um, I'm Jessica Itaralde. Sounds Spanish. Uh, I'm not Spanish, but my husband is. And I'm a former television personality and producer. And now I stay at home with my four kids and help e-course creators online be able to captivate on camera, wow audiences, and connect one-to-one -to, -one to influencers and celebrities. Oh, my goodness. It's like, don't you want to eat her up with a spoon? It's like, seriously? And so how old are your kids? Because I have five and you have four. So we basically have um, a team. You <laughs> combine ours. I love it. So how old are yours? Yeah. I love it. Yes. Um, yes, we're all outnumbered. I have mm -hmm. a 17-year-old stepdaughter and three boys ages 10, 6, and 4. And there's nothing glass left in my house. <laughs> oh, Jessica, isn't that – this is the funny part is you and I are so sparkly and yummy, and yet, like, I have three boys in between two girls, so my oldest is 19, and my youngest, she's two and a half, she'll turn three the day after Christmas, and they're my girls, so I have a 15-year-old boy, nine-year-old boy, and six-year-old boy, and that is, like, I always make this joke, which people, unless you have boys, you don't understand, I'm like, one plus one boy equals two, one plus one plus one boys equals 30, because that's what it feels like when they're all together, it's like, you could literally take two of them to a store and they're like a little nudgy three and you're like, oh my God, helmets on everyone in the store. And it's so much energy, you know, pulsing through a house. And I, I'm like, you know, when we're, when the kids are older, we will have nice stuff. You just, you have certain time periods of your life where that's why I think I dress fancy too. And like you have, you know, your fanciness because you can't necessarily have it in your house. Right? <laughs> yes, I too am surrounded by testosterone. And I love that you said that because with the three boys, they just ping pong off each other. They catapult off mm. the furniture. And the poor middle boy, he just ping pongs between the two, the older one and the younger one, because they're more alike and he's a little different. He's like his older sister. And so... Yes, it's never a dull moment. And if we want it to be quiet, we just take one out of the equation. Or even better yet, have one. If you can separate one from the herd and get them in that moment, those are such precious moments. And they're peaceful and joyful. It's, it's funny, though, that you said that because it literally with my kids, if one of them is at my parents' house for a sleepover on a Friday night, it is so much quieter where I'm like, this is weird. And then if I only have two kids home, I'm like, oh my God, this is really weird. It really is such a different environment. And working from home has, you know, has its challenges in that way. Whereas you and I both have, um, we just, we very much, I love talking to my guests before the podcast because we all have busy schedules. So I don't always have time to do a separate call in my schedule or theirs in order to like kind of like figure out what's going to be juicy about the conversation. Plus, you know, it's hard to remember like what we talked about two weeks ago. So I hop on the call, you know, 15 to 30 minutes before our call and we just really get into like what will be fun to talk about because I always like it to be like super fun. And with Jessica, I feel like I, you know, I was learning so much from her 
in the way that I was telling her that I'm, I've gotten some feedback from some of my mentors on the way I was coming across even on my podcast and, and in my in my Skype conversations, in my coaching sessions, and how I was on live stream. And so, Jessica, you're that ideal person where that is what you're teaching people about, like, how to project yourself. And I, I, I was almost, like, embarrassed. And if I didn't have the awareness, I would have been embarrassed. The fact that I was actually playing small, as big of a personality as I am, I was playing small on the live streams. Now, do you find that people in their live streams that – it's it's different than when they're say recording for their e-courses and like it's it's a different kind of setting do you feel like people are different or are they usually the same oh my goodness yes um i believe i believe that they're different uh most of them because there's a whole different vibe when you're doing something live whether that be on television whether that be live streaming or in person than when you get to edit something with video, you get another take. But when you're mm. live streaming, for instance, there's two things that come into play. One, it's live. If you fumble on a word, you got to keep moving. You can't let that trip you up. And there needs to be an understanding there that it's just real. It's casual. It's purposeful. If you do your homework, it can be very purposeful and very powerful. But also there's this factor of invariables that you can't control. You constantly have people coming on. People may ask questions that you weren't expecting them to ask yet. And some of that just takes <laughs> practice. Some, you might even, I've even had a troll come on before and you have to handle that because people are watching you. So I think the biggest takeaway from that is to lean into what your fear might be of embarrassment your worst case scenarios, think of those ahead of time, what the worst case scenario could be and have a plan for those worst case scenarios so that when something does happen, because sometimes they will, you can still look like the expert. You can turn things, mm -hmm. off. you can still keep things on course and moving forward. And that one, it does two things that are really awesome. One it doesn't embarrass you, and that's always great. So a defensive thing. But on the offensive side, you flip it around, and it makes you look even better than if it hadn't have happened, because it's Agreed that resiliency on that. factor. Yeah, resiliency. Yeah, which exactly, which we were talking about. That's like the best lesson for your kids. But you were saying so many juicy things before our call about you know as an entrepreneur about like using everything as like an experiment instead of like, you know, really putting so much like weight into things because being an entrepreneur, that's literally like, that's like the ultimate test of real resiliency ever. And what do you want to tell them about like what you said about the, um, it's not a failure? Oh, yes. Well, I, I definitely like to apply this to entrepreneurship and that's so important. And of course it works for parenting and just all sorts of angles of life. But the concept is that we don't focus on failing that we don't focus on the fear of failing or messing up or looking bad, but we approach everything as an experiment. Because look, we don't, we don't have to know the answers to everything. And if you come to things, approach them and say, hey, I don't quite have the answers to this, but I'm going to figure it out and you can watch me, you can join me, let's do this. And we're going to approach this as a test. Then what happens is, is everything, every roadblock that you hit, instead of feeling defeat, 
I mean, you're going to have days where you feel down. There's going to be days where you question, why am I doing this? <laughs> you know, it happens in entrepreneurship. It happens in parenting. I'm surely, surely I'm not the only one. If so, I might have to evaluate yes. my self-esteem after this. But we question ourselves naturally. But the biggest difference in approaching life and, and your business as an experiment and testing instead of failing is that think of it as being in a maze and you hit a roadblock instead of it being over and you're just done you can just turn around and go another route because there is a way through the maze there is a way to the end you're just testing till you find the right spot I love that I absolutely so everybody listening and this is something that I'm taking deep inside with me today is the whole um you know everything is we're just testing it we're just testing it. It's an experiment. And it's like so much more, um, such a high, more high vibrating place than putting so much like, oh, I failed at this or this didn't work. Because to say it didn't work, it's almost like something about you is negative versus if you say, well, I experimented with this because me and Jessica were talking about, you know, some trends for 2017. I was picking her brain about, you know, she is somebody who, you know, um, zags when everybody else is singing and I'm like okay so what do you think about you know in 2017 because we're in 2017 when you're listening to this and so you know we were talking about Facebook ads you know like you know doing things in that way and kind of really trying to change things up but I wanted to go back and just be a little vulnerable here here and I was sharing with Jessica about like did she want to change uh, uh, you know anything going into 2017 because I'm in this massive um, I'm reading Gabby Bernstein's May Cause Miracles, and I'm like, I've hit some fears that were like, I'm like, oh my God, where it's been like this rebuilding within myself, and so that's going to be reflected in my business. And so one of the things that was showing up, whereas on my live stream, I was pulling back, I was playing small, I was trying to soften my message because I was afraid of being a bitch. Whereas if I'm if I'm like talking to you before the call, or if I'm on Skype with you, or I was coaching, I was able to be in my power. And one of my mentors was like on the live stream, you're trying to be like too, um, like you're trying to be a friend to everyone instead of in, in your coach mode. And I was like, wow, like I understood for some reason the way she said it versus a couple of months ago. I wouldn't say, I mean, maybe, but I know that last year I would have heard it differently and I would have been like, she's trying to change me and I would have felt this wrongness and I would have felt shame. I would have wanted to like hide and pull back from her when everything she said was with love and intention. And it was not saying that I was doing anything wrong. She wanted me to stand in my power all the time. But this whole idea of not wanting to be a bitch, I was like, wow, that was a new, I love when you get those aha, where you're like, wow, why would that even be, where did that come from? You know, why would that be a fear of mine? Because anybody who knows me knows that I am a strong woman, but I'm very loving. But I do know that for women, there is especially the online entrepreneurs that I know and, and Jessica, you would see this in like the way copy is, is that sometimes like say emails will come out and they're like, you're failing if you're not doing this or very strong, very direct. And sometimes it can be triggering. And I know what they're trying to do. They're trying to get people to see what they're doing and that's their style. And then there's too soft where if you're too soft, then nobody pays attention or treats you like an authority. And so that, that's something that I've observed. And I was trying to be like in the middle and trying to find where your middle is with that. But so if you want to tell us a little bit about your, you said that you have changed in the past two months, your message and you firmed up and gotten really solid. I'm like super excited to hear what that is, like what the change was. Oh, I love that. Okay. I'm going to try to break this down as, sim 
simply as possible. Basically, before two months ago, I was really, really, I would tell you that I was willing to take risk, to do whatever it takes, but in reality, it took some time to actually play things out and see that I was trying to risk-proof my business by not taking risks. And mm. see, it makes me think of in finance, there's something called regret theory, and it's based on two principles. You have this fear that you might take action on something and fail. And so that might hold you back. You might have this regret of taking that action. But the byproduct of that is that you do it again and you do it with a different mindset. You do it a little smarter. Then the second part of that is that you don't take action and you miss out on an amazing opportunity. So I think for me, I was doing the former. And eventually, my fear of the second one, of missing out, had to override my fear of doing something, of testing, and what I thought at that time was failing, but to look at it as testing. The worst case scenario in the first example of this regret theory is if you step out on a limb and you do something and it doesn't work out. Well, you still go back to the drawing board and now you're a little bit smarter and now you have some things eliminated from your list so you can be much more strategic on what to do. So that was a huge factor for me was learning to look at failure as testing and lean into what was uncomfortable. I began doing things that made me very uncomfortable, talking to people mm. that were intimidating. And it's funny that with my background in TV, I've spoken to celebrities, I've interviewed people of influence, but sometimes it doesn't, it doesn't fully go away sometimes, that anxiety of speaking to someone you admire or you really mm. want to make an impression on. And I really had to lean into that. And that is my thing now. And even going into 2017 is now, if it feels uncomfortable, I'm probably on the right path. And I'm going to look at this with a strategy, do my homework, and, and execute it in a way that if it doesn't work out, I know what to do next time. And you know what? Ultimately, I'm going to accomplish that goal because I'm resilient. I'm going to keep firing back. And each time, if, if something, uh, let's just say something fails, for lack of a better term, something doesn't work out, and you're back to the drawing board, in fact, you can see that is actually a positive thing, because that's one thing you've checked off, you've eliminated. So your line of vision is getting sharper on the goal. And that's, mm. that's my biggest takeaway coming in to 2017. And I firmly believe in the people that I know and I run with, the circles I run with in entrepreneurs and business, that that is the thing that separates the top 5% from the other is that resiliency and just understanding that testing and something falling through doesn't mean that you're not good at it or that you can't do it. Something needs adjusting. Figure out what that is and test again. Mm, yeah, which is, uh, we were talking about, uh, well, first of all, I wanna, now I want to have a web TV show. You just made me feel like I was like, I need to have a web TV show. So I'm putting Do that it. out there in the universe. Yeah, exactly. Um, but also, we were talking about, um, you know, 
those of you that are listening may have no clue what we're talking about if you're not an online entrepreneur, but we met in a Facebook group when I put um, something out there about wanting to have people on my podcast because I'm surrounded by amazing and powerful women, but some of us don't have a huge platform. Like, it, we just don't. And um, there are some that have a giant, like Kim Luna, like she's taken off and, and, you know, is interviewing Danielle Laporte and, you know, people that are super amazing and I'm so happy for her. But there, there are, you know, some people are still in that building phase. Again, nothing is wrong there. Nothing has gone wrong. They're just in the building phase or in the, or in the relaunch of their new way of doing things. Because there are people that have changed the way they, what kind of entrepreneur they are, what kind of coach or what their specialty is. And I wanted to give that, you know, platform because there's so many women with amazing content out there, but we're behind our computers at home and really just in that tweaking phase all the time about, okay, that post didn't go over that well, even though it was great, what, what do I need to do to tweak that? Because we want to stand out, but yet it's, it's, there's a lot of shiny objects and there's a lot of other people that are just as brilliant as we are. And so what do you think, um, like with your clients, what, if you could, and I don't want to, um, I don't want to have you give away all your free advice or people won't hire you, but what would be some advice that you would have to people on how to stand out? You know, how does it, when everyone, how does that when everyone else is singing? Well, there are a few ways to do that. One is you've got to do it. If you have an idea, some people are very idea based, but we don't execute a lot of our ideas. And something happens there. So you got to execute on these to see if they're going to work, first of all. Second of all, you can think about things that um, there's, a, there's a variety of things. Sometimes it's about calling something out that other people aren't talking about. Sometimes it's about being really vulnerable and saying, hey, I'm struggling with this. Am I the only one? And then talking about results with that. Another way is being disruptive. With my clients, there's a lot of feedback to them that to do an e-course, for instance, do an online video course and record videos, you have to do everything perfectly. You want to look perfectly. Everything needs to be set up. Don't use any filler words and speak absolutely perfectly. When the reality is, the disruptive thing about that is that people want to learn from actual humans, not step yeah, that's so boring. robots. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yes. The disruptive I know exactly angle, what you mean. yes, on that, I, what I tell all my clients is if you, if you know your stuff, and most of my clients do, they come to me knowing their stuff, they just have a few barriers about getting out there, exposing themselves, and you have a message to give people and you think about what they need to hear. Who out there needs to hear what you have to say right now? Who out there who, if they don't hear your conversation to them, will walk away not knowing it, will spend all this time trying to gather the information themselves or whatever relationship it is. It could be business. This also works if you are um, just relationships in general. Whatever message you need to get to them, if you take and shift the concept of, okay, I have to do this like everyone else or whatnot, and focus on what the person, the person you're going to speak to or the people you're going to reach need to hear, something happens there that's, that allows you to come off as more authentic and find your own voice, your own brand, and be a little bit different. 
And the other thing I, I would say, that. yes, thank you. The other thing I'd say is look for different ways to be different and don't be afraid to try it because I think you'll surprise yourself with what people like. People like to be informed, but they really like to be entertained. And if you can marry those two in some spin without losing the integrity of the information, you are doing something that 90% of people are not doing out there because they haven't figured that out. It, it leans either too informative and it's dry or it's funny, but it has no direction. That's yeah, that's, that's such a, it's such a great point. I'm just like, I'm thinking about like, my mind is going through like so many different entrepreneurs. And one of the things that I, two of the things that I have struggled with in this is that when you are recording or you are doing a podcast or whatever, is to be mindful of how many times somebody says, um, so if, if they're doing an equal, they can't say, um, 50,000 times, but if you've seen the ones that are more edited where it's the Marie Forleo, where it's like, you know, the one screenshot and then the one where, and then I've seen people mimic that where it can feel very much, you know, and nothing against her. She's actually got a great, very charismatic personality, but it can come across as you are recording a commercial versus people connecting with you. They want to feel like they connect with you. And the other thing is, is that I know for myself, what you call yourself, what the name of your program is, if you look at online entrepreneurs, we are constantly changing and tweaking. And one of the things that I didn't want to seem like is that I didn't know what I was doing if I changed like, you know, my website twice in a year or the title of what I was because I've gone through where I'm like, am I, I don't want to call my, you know, I've had people like, don't call yourself a life coach. You're more than that. You're a transformation coach. And I'm like, well, maybe I'm a life strategist. And it's like these silly things that you're, uh, you might be afraid that you're going to come across to people as not having your shit together or that you can't make up your mind, but it's kind of part of finding the money spot because if you're married to a concept or a title and it isn't working, then how's it going to work for you? So to some people that are not an entrepreneur, they're going to be like, oh, well, she's rock solid versus you seem like a flake. If you have many different ideas you test out, I think that's part of it. You kind of have to figure out what, what exactly is going to work and what feels the most like you. And it's going to change over time. You're not going to be the same person five years from now, even two years from now. Yes, I totally agree. And I think that comes with just being real about the situation. You know, there's no added sparkles to this. You know, it is what it is. I have this knowledge. I have these skill sets. I'm still working out how I want to execute them. And you're welcome to join me in the journey because if people want that, value from you if they find that what you have is valuable the other stuff doesn't matter ultimately now i mm -hmm. tell i tell my clients that it depends on the type of video that you're doing too for me you know i even catch myself i'll say um and i probably have said it on this podcast you can go back and look <laughs> I'm sure we, I'm sure we both have. but when you're in a casual situation i think it's more okay to be yourself and if you have an um, a filler word or something like that, it's not the end of the world. <laughs> Whereas if well, you're recording, it's not, we would, yeah, like an e-course. It would be weird. Different. Yes. Mm -hmm. so, yes, of course you can't, you don't want to do that 30 ums and whatnot, but that just takes a little practice. But ultimately you got to be yourself and concentrate on the value you give and the other will be fine. You know, I used to have this huge hang up when I first started television, because it was something that I really loved, 
But in my past, I grew up very sheltered and we didn't socialize that much. And I was always this really, really quiet kid and I never wanted to stick out because I lived in this small town where you just didn't do things differently. Everyone became the same thing and they did the same thing. And although I didn't think that way, I was scared to death to actually act on it. Ultimately, I grow up, I go into adulthood. Um, I'm really, really fast forwarding here, but I have several kids. I stayed home for a little while to be with them. And when I wanted to go back to work, I wanted to do something that I loved. And I got into travel journalism. But I had these hangups about speaking on television because it's so silly to look at it now, but my teeth aren't perfectly straight. So I would think, okay, who's going to want to watch me because my teeth aren't straight. I'm not perfect, etc. You know, yeah. I'm breaking myself apart. I'm just a housewife now, you know, just martyring myself and yeah. comparing myself to, um, especially in Hawaii, when I was the host for a show that talked about automobiles, which, you know, typically, I guess you would think of some a much skinnier blonde with perfect teeth and perky and every <laughs> bit of the concept. And, you know, I'm just me. But ultimately, I found, and not necessarily with that show, but with everything that I did on TV, because the first show I did was a, a concept about giving other people a platform to speak and bringing conversations together, which is something I've always been passionate about. But I came to understand that people, there were plenty of people who wanted to watch me, who cared about what I spoke about and what I stood for. So if we nowadays concentrate on the message that we have to give and don't get hung up on those little things about how we look, how our voice sounds, things like that, and concentrate on just packing in as much value as we can at every moment, giving out, giving out then people don't care. People don't care if my teeth are straight, <laughs> you know, or if. Exactly. If it's your vibe. They're, they're yes. looking for your vibe. Exactly. And um, yeah, that's huge. That doesn't matter. They concentrate on the other things. And the people who do care, that's not, that's not your people, you know. Because oh, no, exactly. Yes. And you can yeah. move on. And nothing disarms critics faster than you acknowledging something. Like, just now, I talked about my teeth. No one can come out and say something about my teeth now and hurt my feelings because I've already talked about it, already addressed it. I'm comfortable with who I am. This is where I'm at right now. And your audience will be too. And they'll admire that in you and they'll emulate that in their own lives. And I think that's really important no matter what aspect we're talking about in life. Well, as we wrap up here, I have to ask you one last question before you tell everybody how they can get a hold of you. And you have to just tell us who was your favorite, who was your favorite celebrity to talk to? Ooh, <laughs> I only get one. Okay. Um, well, you can say more than one if you don't want to. <laughs> yes. Well, it's so funny because they're all so different and the, the vibe is different depending on the event. Um, when I talked to Janelle Monet, it was very, very, it just felt, she had her whole, her whole entourage there. And it just felt like there was probably some hidden CIA, like it was really, really tight feeling. Versus when I interviewed Guy Fieri, he, that guy likes to goof off with you. He likes to mess with people who hope. <laughs> because I he think 
Yes, I think that's because of his background, because one, he's a host and he kind of climbed up the ladder too. Yeah, he, he totally threw me off. I remember I had only been doing TV for about a year and I had said something like, I call him a culinary ninja. And he put his hands on his hips and he's like, oh, did you hear? They said, I'm the Colonel now, like Colonel Sanders. He's like, did you hear them say that? And well, see, I had been in a holding room waiting because fortunately I was the only one who got to interview him at this event. And I had two minutes, so I had to do it just right. So I'm in this holding cell. I heard nothing about a Colonel. So I, I respond. I just, I just look into the camera and I nod. I'm like, well, yeah, <laughs> of course, I Mr. Fieri, you know, so really he brings his, yeah, he brings his fiery energy to it and he likes to mess it with you. So it really allowed for things to feel very comfortable and you're, you're just playing off each other. And that was very fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It seems like it would be <clears throat> certain people from what I've seen, just even on talk shows is that certain people are very easy to interview and then other ones you have to draw out of them. And mm-hmm. I know that's even as a, even as a coach myself, some people are very much aware of what they're feeling and other people it's like they keep everything tucked away and you kind of have to like pull for it. You have to prompt them, you know, in order to get the information out. Yes. Yes. That's very true. So please tell everybody how they can, you know, get a hold of you, how they can find out more about you, how they can get more Jessica. Yes. Oh, I love it. Yes. I would love you all to visit me at my website, www.personnel.com dash ty.com and you can look me up on facebook say hi at uh hot press jess sounds like hot off the press hot press jess on facebook and twitter and instagram too because i'm really fabulous i love that (laughs) well and i want to put the links um when i i will message you and get get all your stuff so I can put the links on um, the podcast information and then make sure you um, connect with me also Jessica I don't know if we're following each other on Instagram but I'm like so about Instagram right now because I get like I get a lot of um, a lot of you know engagement there so I mm-hmm. love playing you know wherever it's like I'm, I'm almost like a person first before anything I guess that goes without saying but you know where you want to go where it's fun where everybody's playing versus you know just in the flatness of sometimes when, when we're in the Facebook groups. So Instagram is so fun to play. And I, I find just like, I'm such a visual person. So living through other people's pictures and their, and their posters or whatever, is just so fun. So what are, what are you on um, Instagram? What's your handle on there? It's the same thing. It's hot press Jess. Okay, hot press Jess. okay. Yes, there. Oh, of course, Garland, there is only one of you, and I'm going to find you on there, and we can, we can become Instagram friends on there. That's super fun. And I'm not playing as much on Pinterest, but I think that's going to be something that I take a look at with the new year because I do know people are leveraging Pinterest big. I'm, I'm much more Facebook and Instagram right now. That's, that's been my major focus because mm-hmm. that's where I found it's, it, you know, it's much fun to play. Do you play on Pinterest much or? I don't for my business. I've thought about it, but right now I'm really focused on some strategies that I'm doing with Facebook and um, Instagram as well, but I really want to revamp my Twitter. I have a lot of followers on Twitter, 
but a lot of them are from my travel journalism days. So I'm kind of scratching my head and thinking how I can use that and turn that around. Oh, and, the, and Twitter has never been my stronghold. Like people will like things, you know, like my Instagram pictures, they'll like them on Twitter. And I'm like, oh, I forget Twitter's on there because I've tried to like play around with Twitter and it's something that is unfamiliar to me. So sometimes with the unfamiliar, we tend to like want to abandon it instead mm -hmm. of like trying to want to learn it. Um, but yeah, Twitter's Twitter, maybe I will learn from you on how to how, see how you're doing Twitter and maybe I will be able to figure that out for me too. Um, Cause you never know like what the trends are going to be in the new year. Um, I, I found with Twitter, I find that I have loved to tweet when there was like a show going on and uh -huh. there's like, you know, you kind of get to play with other people, you know, during the finale of something or whatever. I found that that's super fun. And there are some celebrities that will, actually engage back with you if they're live tweeting and I think that as celebrities that's such a great platform for them to get like people to be diehard fans like mm -hmm. silly shows like Ladies of London that I watch on, on Bravo they've tweeted back at me um and then uh Wendy McCoven um I can't remember what her full name is the lady who's um the mom on the Goldberg show she's mm -hmm. tweeted back at me and it's just kind of like fun you're like you're just like you know, playing. I love that playful aspect in, in engagement. So mm -hmm. um, that I do like about Twitter. But besides that, uh, the random daily, like posting 10 times a day, I haven't done that. And maybe that would be advantageous, but it's just something that, you know, unless you have a huge team, you have to figure out what like your strong places are versus yes. trying to wooder yourself down for so many different things. Cause that's like one sure way to burn out too. Exactly. And that's why I'm not quite touching Pinterest yet. Although I have heard some great things about some Pinterest strategies out there. Yes. So maybe something down the road, at least six months though, down the pipeline. Mm -hmm. I visit that. Yeah. Yeah. I think with Pinterest, because there's no video on there, that that's, it depends on what your platform is on how much you're going to get people to like, if you're really into words and writing, then Pinterest would be great. But if it's like, if you're big into video, then I would wonder how that would translate. But I guess a quote is a quote, no matter whether it's said or not. So, but yeah, there, there's tons of things. And then who even knows like six months from now, what new things going to come out? Because who even thought that Snapchat would be such a big thing? And I'm on Snapchat. Do I use it for business? No, because I don't really know how to use it for business. Because again, it's something that um, I think is still very young in the way of its audience. I have friends of mine that are that are my age that are using it but it's still it's I don't know I don't know that that's a strong business strategy like strategic place for me right now it's more like just I play with my kids with the filters your kids probably like the filters too <laughs> yes. on Snapchat right yes they it's do. like a family activity right <laughs> it sure is <laughs> always before bed too somehow it winds up that way Oh my goodness. And they, they like, they have been dying laughing when like the voice changer thing, like they will just crack up and it's, it's fun. It's fun to do with them. Um, but thank you so much, Jessica. I've had so much fun. And you're definitely somebody that I'm going to stay in touch with because I feel like such a connection. And I, it's almost like this has been such a, a selfish venture because I got to connect with women that I admire, I connect with, you know, that I think are just amazing forces and are, you know, celebrities in my world. And um, so I'm glad you guys got to meet Jessica. She's amazing. Find her on all the things I will post in the link here. And everyone have a wonderful day. Stay tuned for next time on Goddess and Gab.